Poke the Bear is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 177, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan, and as you can see, doing a solo show uh, to, to round up this week. No no Evan, no Ty, um, just doing one by myself. Uh, I reached out on Twitter, asked for a couple of questions, so I figured what better time after the Bruins uh, post another win uh, on Thursday night against the New York Islanders to do a little quick summary of that game and then take some of your questions about kind of the state of this team that, again, 11-1-1, doing pretty well. Um, but it's an interesting case when you look at the way the Bruins are uh, piling up these wins, right, where as strong a start as there is, there still are some kind of lingering questions or uh, just the way the team is built in terms of its the cohesion, chemistry, the lineup. There's still not a whole lot of stuff that's settled. Like we know bits and pieces of this team and their makeup and identity, and most important ones are a lot of it is being rooted in defense and especially goaltending. That's leading the way to a lot of these wins, but there still are a lot of questions about this Bruins team as far as uh, what to really make of them and what more they need to improve on. Um, so again, should be a really fun episode as we start diving into some uh, user submitted questions and looking back at this last game, um, which is where we'll kind of lead off today. Uh, Bruins, once again, take care of business on Thursday night at TD Garden, post a 5-2 win over the New York Islanders, a team that used to give them a lot of trouble. Uh, obviously, came up short in 2021 playoffs against them. And it feels like finally played in one of the best goaltenders in the league against the Bruins. Uh, didn't mean all that much. Bruins, again, 5-2 winners uh, over on Causeway Street. Uh, the biggest takeaway from this one has to be Charlie Coyle, right, uh, in terms of his production, a breakthrough performance, I guess you could say, from him. Uh, first career hat trick, has another assist for a four-point night. And uh, obviously, you look at the individual performance there. It's great to see a guy like Coyle, who's been there for a long time now, really have a, a standout individual performance. But I think in the bigger scheme of things, one, it's good to see him really start heating up uh, offensively because, again, Trico is a guy that I feel like enough people now appreciate or at least understand his value to this team, especially in years past, where you know his effectiveness and how good he can be when he's a puck possession center who can handle really taxing minutes, uh, make an impact on the penalty kill, all these things um, that doesn't always reflect in terms of the, you know, the tangible offense, right? This is a guy that usually in the past has been a 50, 60 point guy, but if he's giving you a 35, 45 points playing really strong defensively, um, you know, logging important shifts on the PK, I think Bruins fans generally know what he can bring and how even some of his better shifts don't always end up with, you know, points on the board. But still, you look at where how he's playing right now, um, currently on pace for 76 points this year, which again, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be something to expect uh, from this uh, season from Charlie Coyle. Again, that's kind of boosted up by having a four-point night, but he's still a guy that with those added minutes is on pace for you know at least 50, 50 plus points uh, this season, which he'll certainly take, especially for a guy that still kind of the bread and butter of his game lies in his defensive ability, PK work, all those things. And that hasn't really changed at all this year. You're seeing in previous years, when he was taking a lot of those taxing D zone starts, they were going, the offensive reps were going to guys like Bergeron and Krejci, 
it's kind of flipped now where it's now instead of giving it to maybe an older player like Bergeron and Krejci who you're making life easier for them, you're doing it now, but you're handing it to a 19-year-old kid like Matt Potra or, you know, you're carving out more reps for those younger guys to make their road to the NHL that much easier. So it's kind of an unsung uh, duty that Coyle has to do night and night out in terms of those tough D-zone assignments, but he's also producing down the other end of the ice. And I think as great as it was to see him individually reach that uh, impressive performance against the Islanders, Big's takeaway for me is you look at this forward core, other than the fourth line, which is going to be Beecher and then, you know, Heinen, Lucic, Lauko, when those guys are back, Steen, I think has done a really solid job. Like you generally know who your fourth line personnel is going to be there. Um, still have question marks as to, you know, where does, you know, Zaka, Martian, Pasternak, is that a line? You know, where does Patra uh, best fit in there um, with DeBrusque and some of those other players? One thing I think you have to, to kind of glean from a game like this, if you're Jim Montgomery, please keep a line of James Van Riemsdyk, Charlie Coyle, and Trent Frederick together because whenever those guys are together, especially Coyle and Frederick, you're getting fantastic results down both ends of the ice, right? Like this is a grouping that last year Coyle and Frederick gelled immediately and turned that third line into a five-on-five buzzsaw, right? This, that's a line that was really kind of the Bruins shutdown grouping all year long but still managed to really outscore opponents, really land punches on the other end of the ice. And you're seeing that continue, continuing. They may not have a, a former Hart Trophy winner like Taylor Hall on that line with them, but I think you, you're looking at just how well Frederick and Coyle play off each other. And I think Frederick being kind of that F3 that uh, can kind of hang back, has a really, really underrated shot that you're kind of tapping into a little bit more. When they're playing their game and you know guys like Coyle and Van Riemsdyk are – controlling play, holding onto the puck down low, uh, making it just a burden for the other team to kind of uh, jam the puck loose from them. That's a, a line that can be really effective. And I think right now, especially the way this forward core is assembled and how there's so many moving pieces there, I don't even view it as like a third line, right? Like it's almost like those top three lines are all interchangeable. You'd like to maybe have eventually some hierarchy in terms of uh, who are going to be your go-to guys in crunch, in crunch time situations. But I think you look at how good Coyle and Frederick play together. I mean, they played together for over 75 minutes of five and five ice time under 25% ozone faceoff percentage. So a whole bunch of their, their ships are starting in the D zone, usually against, you know, opposing top six teams, uh, top six opponents and Bruins are still outscoring opponents four to one over that stretch of time. Like they're making it happen down both ends of the ice. So regardless of how the, the top six or whatever, those other two forward lines, map out, whether it's Zaka in between Marshan and Pasternak, whether it's Potra up there, Zaka gets moved to the wing at some point, or however it's kind of uh, shakes itself out. Um, and I, I still think there's enough talent amongst that grouping, especially if a guy like DeBrus gets going, um, you know, Zaka in that role. Those lines, I think, are going to more or less sort themselves out once you find the right pieces in place. But if you're looking for a line that I think you can expect the same level of production night in and night out in terms of being really strong defensively, really making it tough on opposing teams to generate consistent ozone pressure, and then having the means to really cash in on your chances down low. I think if you're Jim Montgomery, you need to stick with that JVR coil and uh, Frederick line because it's been money so far. And also, as good as Coyle and Frederick have been um, together, it's also getting the most out of James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, this is a guy that, again, 
is signed for one year, one million. He's got 10 points in his first 13 games. Like he is, again, I think when we talked about JVR and his value and what you're expecting out of him for that amount of money, I think the usual thing that me and Evan and Ty have all talked about was if he gives you 30 points, you'll be happy for one year, one million. This is a guy that could be on, on pace for 40, 45 points, right? Like this is a guy that maybe it was a situation of just on a really, really bad Philadelphia team, a team that did not have a lot of high-end offensive talent, especially around him. And he's making the most of the opportunity with some really strong playmakers. A lot of guys that I think fit his profile uh, better in terms of how to best get more out of his game. Like I wouldn't say Coyle and Frederick are elite offensive playmakers, but the way they play, holding onto the puck, bringing the puck down low. When you have a guy like uh, JVR who's so good in tight spaces, has that kind of split second uh, playmaking and reaction time, a lot of good can come out of that. So that's another uh, important thing. So again. Strong game all around from the Bruins. Uh, only had a few miscues that on special teams that leads to the Islanders' goals, but all marked good again. Uh, the usual suspects contribute, but I think the number one takeaway for the Bruins has to be Oil's uh, strong performance, but most importantly, where he best fits in the lineup. I don't know if you want to call it the second line, the third line, what have you. Just keep him with uh, Frederick and JVR because I think that's a line that you can really build around moving forward. So that's kind of our quick summaries, takeaways from this uh, latest game for the Bruins. Before we kind of uh, go out and dive into uh, our user uh, submitted mailbag and questions regarding the Bruins, let's take a quick break here from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel, that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many wins the Patriots are going to have this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many shutouts Jeremy Swayman's going to have this season. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Mass. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-throwable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, thank you to our good friends and sponsors over at FanDuel. All right, now let's dive into the second part of our uh, our solo pod this week, uh, which is our user-submitted uh, mailbag. So, once again, we got a couple of questions here. Shout out to all of our loyal listeners, our friends on Twitter, X, whatever the hell it's called now, um, for sending in your questions. So let's dive right into it. So this first question comes from Elliot Gruber, who asks, if no one else gets hurt, what are the gaps they'd look to fill near the deadline and how? Uh, thank you for the question, Elliot. I think for me, it has to be uh, scoring depth up front or an impact player, right? Like I'm not saying you need to get a Marcus Johansson or someone that maybe fills out, you know, a spot on the third line. Um, but 
if you can add another impact player that can push maybe a strong player further down the lineup or it shifts, you know, let's say you get a, a playmaking center or a guy that you want to build for the future. And I'm spitballing here because I don't know. I doubt the money works or you want to move the assets. But like a guy like Tomas Hurdle, which I would imagine the Bruins kick the tires on in the offseason. If you're in the spot where you can take on his contract and it pushes Zaka to left wing again, and all of a sudden you've got another all check line of Zaka or Hurdle Pasternak, pretty good, right? Like then you can kind of let the other pieces fall into place, whether that's Patra with Marshan and DeBrusque, you've got that third line of JVR, Frederick, uh, Coyle, Morgan Geeky, when he gets back in and is healthy, that's another guy that can really, uh, I think, make an impact. And it's tough that he's out because I think him and Potra really had some really strong chemistry together. But I think if you're the Bruins, and I'm still hesitant right now, Elliot, of whether or not the Bruins are going to be real big players at the deadline. Um, again, if this team is 53-4 and uh, four or something like that at the deadline, then maybe you are compelled to make a move. Like I think Don Sweeney and the Bruins – Envision the Bruins were going to be competitive this year with how strong their defense and goaltending is. I don't think they expected them to be this good or these younger players to really step in and look like impact players right off the bat here. Um, so that changes your opinion as to like, all right, we'll be competitive. We'll be a tough out, but we're not going to relinquish future first round picks again or, you know, take valuable guys off this roster for this year when we have a boatload of cash in the offseason. Uh, we have a few spots that we can really tinker with and we have more financial flexibility, especially to really kind of move on from or really kind of augment our roster uh, this upcoming summer. That was my thinking going into it. I'm still inclined to think the Bruins are only going to make marginal moves just in terms of not disrupting a lot of this roster. You're already up against the cap. Like I feel like there's just a lot of hurdles in the way that if they wanted to get a guy like hurdle or another really impact guy, Elise Lindholm, uh, all these different kind of players that would really move the needle of giving you an impact guy. I just don't see that being the case for the Bruins right now. Again, uh, this will be something that we'll talk about a whole lot more the further we get into the season, get close to the deadline. So maybe that changes between now and then. But if they are in the, the search for something, Elliot, I think it has to be an impact forward, whether it's on the wing or down the middle. Because um, even if it's a, a centerman that can push a really strong player to the wing and it just fills out the rest of your scoring depth, I think you'll take that up. You're the Bruins. All right. Our next question is from Griffin McGuire, who says, uh, who asks, how close do we think Lysel is to cracking the lineup? Thank you for the question, Griffin. Um, and it's a really interesting uh, decision the Bruins have to make uh, if, again, more injuries start to happen to this team, right? Because uh, Morgan Kiki is another significant loss. They've really been bit by the injury bug. Um, Lauko ideally should be back on Saturday against Montreal uh, by the time this episode drops, but still missing a few key pieces. And I have to imagine that if another guy goes down long-term, uh, you're in a spot where Lysel's probably getting a call up here. I mean, if Dan Heinen wasn't signed and he was still stuck in PTO purgatory and wasn't playing well, maybe he's already up right now because he had a really strong uh, last weekend with the Providence Bruins down there. And I think he's on the cusp of it, right? Like, I, I don't want to put any hard deadlines as to when they need to, when he's due to get called up or what have you. Sometimes those things happen just organically over the span of a season where injuries sprout up or a guy's hit a certain level. Um, but Lysel, I think you have to give him credit. He's done a very, very solid job down there in Providence. And it is something we talked about, I think, last week, me and uh, Evan and I on the podcast about Lysel. And I understand, I think, people are very disappointed that he didn't really have a standout training camp. But um, And people, I think, were quick to like throw out, 
a bust label just because of a really rough preseason training camp where he didn't pop to the same degree as a guy like Patra or even Johnny Beecher, Alori, what have you. Um, but this is still a kid that is 20 years old, younger than, you know, Beecher, he's younger than Laura even, um, has only played one full season in Providence last year, was concussed, went to World Junior. Uh, you know, he's had a bit of a whirlwind in terms of going, adjusting to North America, leaving home, going all the way over to, uh, you know, Western Canada for a year. There's a, a lot of adjustments and a pretty compressed amount of time for a younger player like Lysel. So as much as I think it's you think it's automatic, these guys that are driven by hockey and are so talented that they can hone right in on that. And there's no bumps along the way in terms of stuff that maybe we take for granted. Like that is a lot of travel adjustment, uh, moving all those things in a short amount of time that I think you need to give, especially a guy of, of Lysel who's still 20, some time to marinate and to learn the game a little bit more. And again, it's not to say that this is a guy that's fully knocking on the door and has nothing left to improve on. Like he still has a lot to work on in terms of his D zone game, uh, night in, night out consistency, all those things, but it's a work in progress. And I think it's encouraging that even with the obvious disappointment of not making the team and not really standing out during preseason action really responded very well. Uh, so far out of the gate down in Providence is building his game, uh, continue to make strides in a lot of really critical areas out there. So if you're the Bruins, I think you're happy with that. And again, I don't know if he's knocking on the door right now, or he's just, you know, another injury or so away from uh, getting a call. But when you look at his high end potential and the fact that Bruins could use some more scoring punch down the road, if the five and five offense doesn't pick up or uh, another injuries happen, if you ask me to be uh, the first week of, Oct- of October, I'd be like, yeah, I think myself maybe needs, couple months down in Providence. Now you're in a spot where if he's playing well and playing confidently, he's just kind of one phone call away. And it's a testament to how he's kind of attacked this season so far um, and why I don't think Bruins fans, yes, is he a top six stalwart, a 35 goal guy? Remains to be seen there, um, but I think he's still a guy that can be a pretty effective and solid NHL player uh, in due time. So definitely a guy worth keeping tabs on as this year goes on, considering his hot start down there. All right, our next question is from Eric Ripperson, who asks, what do you make of Monty's line juggling? And follow up, which line have we seen that has worked out the best? Uh, Thanks for the question, Eric. I think obviously the most effective line we've seen so far is uh, the JVR Coil Frederick line, as we kind of talked about before. I think that line, night in and night out, gives you the most consistency out there. Um, Really, really effective in terms of what you're looking for them as a puck possession uh, unit, defensive unit, and more than capable of scoring down the other end of the ice as well. So really impressed with them so far. Um, Fourth line, I also think has been pretty solid. It's been tough when you've got so many guys in and out of the lineup that I'd love to see, hopefully by next week, I believe, uh, a spot where you have Lucic, Beecher, and Lauko together again. I think that's when that identity was uh, really set in stone of what you're looking for out of a high-octane, physical, bruising fourth line. That's not to say that guys like Steen or Heinen or Patrick Brown haven't done a solid job there, but I think when that line is at its best and playing to an identity, I think it's when you have guys like Lucic uh, and Lauko in there as well. So really like that line. Hopefully it gets back together pretty soon. Um, as for the line juggling, it has been uh, pretty uh, rampant uh, to start the year, right, in terms of moving uh, guys around. If you're Jim Montgomery, I think some of it is uh, dealing with younger players, but also just trying to find different ways to get a spark. Um, 
I would like to see a little bit more consistency in terms of especially those lines like Zaka with Pasternak and Marchand or Patra with Heinen and DeBrus, just more reps with those guys because um, I think those are players that can make an impact with with more cohesion. Like if you get Patra playing well with a guy like Heinen or especially a guy like DeBrus who you need to get, I think, going consistently, it adds just a, another element of scoring punch to your team that you really need right now. So I would ideally like to see Montgomery stick with them a little bit longer, um, those two lines especially. And again, Montreal's had a pretty solid uh, and strong start to the year. But if you can get uh, that Zaka line or that Potra line going, get some cohesion, some confidence, some points on the board, I think that will do wonders for this team in terms of uh, you know finding more consistency amongst that grouping because – you can't just have it be the coil show every single night with Poston not getting in a power play goal or two. Again, when your defense and goal tanking is as good as it is, it's a pretty solid winning formula, but you need more guys pulling on the rope. So definitely something worth keeping tabs on as this year goes on. And uh, for our final question, we'll wrap it up with YSK Bruin Six, who asks, uh, how much does the surprise emergence of Boston's rookies affect their timeline? Personally, I think we are only a few pieces away from staying competitive long term. Thank you for the question. Uh, and yeah, I agree. I think the Bruins, you know, we mapped this out when Evan and I gave our predictions that this team is going to finish second in the Atlantic, just based on the amount of high end talent you have with guys like Pasternak, um, the defense and goaltending with Coy, uh, with McAvoy and Lindholm and Olmark and Swayman, like you're going to have the pieces in place to be a tough out team that is built to grind out these games. And, um, you know, stay afloat over this, what maybe some guys thought was going to be a bridge year where you're signing all these veteran kind of uh, journeymen or, or free agents signed to one-year deals. I think the complexion changes when you all of a sudden now have a guy like Patra or a guy like uh, Lorai or even like Beecher, who I think, again, you want to talk about his play or you know whether he's worth a first-round pick. If he's your fourth-line stalwart for the next five-plus years, there's a lot of value into having a a Corrali or an Achari or a proven fourth line guy that you can pencil in there that can make an impact at five and five play as an energy line and as a penalty killer. Um, there's a lot of value in what a guy like Beecher can bring if you can pencil him in here for the next five plus years. So um, I've been impressed with all those younger players, and I think it just adds confidence that. Listen, you already have guys in Lindholm and Pasternak signed long-term. You've got the framework and a foundation of elite talent already that a lot of teams strive for, right? Like, look at, like, the Detroit Red Wings, who I think are really making a step in the right direction, but they've been missing that elite high-end talent that even with some of these pieces in place, you don't have a 60-goal guy like Pasternak. You don't have a, you know, Mo Sider is a very, very good defenseman, but is he the level of, like, a McAvoy yet? Um, he's on his way, but you have another guy like Lindholm who – can kind of fill in that same role as well. Like you're built for the future. If you're the Bruins with the amount of proven talent you have here, but all of a sudden you add into that equation, a guy like Lori, who's six, five can play 20 plus minutes a night and over a full season when he's given the reins of a power play could give you 40 points uh, or more on the blue line. Look at Patra of what he's provided and the potential he has as a top six centerman and his playmaking poise at such a young age. And then even look at like Swayman, right? They got to sign up to a new deal, but he's a guy that's establishing himself out of the gate as a Vezina front runner who's 24 years old. Like if you retain all four of those guys, including Beecher long-term with the guys that are signed through 2030 in McAvoy, Pasternak, 
you've got a, you don't have a foundation. You've got like a bedrock uh, to build your team around that when you also add in the fact that the cap's going to jump up, not just this summer, but the years ahead, you're in a pretty good spot if you're the Bruins, right? Like this is a team that I don't think people thought were going to be staring at a no man's land of non-contention or they're really going to uh, be in a tough spot in terms of a couple of years while making the playoffs or a couple of years being the 88 point team that has to get into the playoffs the last week of the season. Don't see it being the case when you have this much elite talent coupled with these younger cheap players that uh, are going to kind of, I think further build themselves and weave themselves into the fabric of this team. So I think it does change the complexion of being maybe a team in transition. That's trying to find its new identity and finding this kind of next chapter. All of a sudden, if these guys, if these younger players hit with the guys you have here, yes, this is a new chapter. This isn't the Bergeron, Krejci, Chara, Rask era, but whatever this new chapter is, is going to be uh, just as hopefully impressive in terms of just the consistent, sustainable contention that you're looking for. Which if you're an NHL team and, you know, you go into the playoffs and it's sometimes decided by a coin flip or a whole lot of things like that, Half the battle is just getting to the playoffs consistently and putting yourself in that spot. And seems like the Bruins are built to be that kind of team for the next five, ten, however we want to say years. Like they've, oh, in the span of just an off season with the amount of guys they lost, they seem like they're well, uh, well prepped to once again be an established contender for a long, long time. Which I don't think any Bruins fans would uh, fret or be concerned over a scenario like that playing out. So. Again, I want to thank you guys for sending in those questions. Again, we'll do more of these uh, mailbags as the year goes on. I think it's always good to reach out to our uh, loyal listeners, see what people have to say about the team, questions. And again, it's it's such a fascinating team this year that beyond just how strong they've been out of the gate, there's so many moving parts, so many younger players, so many looming decisions um, about how best to equip this roster for what hopefully will be a longer run than last year. So. Uh, that will do it for this episode of Poke the Bear. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. Once again, I am Connor Ryan. You guys all have a great rest of your week. <laughs>